0: I'm Alex Trepczynski.
1: I'm Angie Czech. I'm Barbara Stewart. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I'm Marin Green. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Valerie Jacobson. And this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. We are not messing around with this episode. This is... The Holistic and Podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan Riley, the host. This is episode 56. I'm here with my friend Jared Picard, who's a biodynamic farmer and has a skincare line that is unlike anything I've ever tried in my entire life. Jared and I got to be good friends when we met at Paul Check's birthday party. And in the goodie bags to all of the guests that came to Paul's birthday, Jared and his wife, they produce a, a product called the Summer Solstice Serum from their company, Be Here, Farm in Nature. They included a bottle graciously in everybody's gift bag. And, you know, I was sort of skeptical when I'd asked him, I was like, you know, there's some good brands out there and he's like, listen, man, there's nothing like the summer solstice serum. This is a very, very unusual product. And the the fact that every single element that was incorporated into the serum was hand grown, handmade, the whole manufacturing process is is a, a very a very special process to them. He's like, there's nothing like this on the market. So I took it home, my wife and I tried it, and we were blown away. And we liked it so much that my wife actually had tried some old cream that she had laying around when we ran out before I was able to replenish our supply of the um, Summer Solstice Serum. And she said, man, it feels like there's like a layer of plastic on my face with the old stuff she had been using. So we're kind of sworn in as Be Here Farm and Nature lifers, I think, at this point. But, you know, what's so special about this? Well, Jared was on Wall Street for years, and then he was called to farming and started raising, procuring his own herbs and his own, the own his own components that ultimately were incorporated into his, his skincare product line through the lens of biodynamics, which is one of the branches of the philosophy of Rudolf Steiner which is, you know, collectively known as Anthroposophy. And I've done a lot of training in Anthroposophy myself, and I'm kind of on the path to becoming certified in that as another healing modality that I'm going to bring to my patients. But the gist of it is, it's very similar to the Anthroposophic medicine. The gist is that we don't treat plants and animals, or humans for that matter, as isolated from nature. In fact, the rhythms, the the flow of energy and information, and love in the soil, through the plants, into the animals, into the humans, is all a part of a continual process, a shape-shifting process, and needs to be respected as such. And one thing I always try to get people to understand is that, you know, there's something that separates rocks, the mineral life, from plants, and that is life force, right? Chi, prana, you know, you name it. It's the etheric body through the lens of anthroposophy and biodynamic farming. Well, then what sets plants apart from animals? Animals have a physical mineral body and they have this life force, but then they also have some intention with how they move. They can move their limbs, unlike plants and trees, in a conscious, uh, I should say, in an in intentional way. And the soul resides in this, in this space. So animals have much more soul force than plants um and plants have a little bit, but animals have a little bit more, you know. There's there's something more to it. You know, you look into a dog's eyes and you see some piece of yourself there. Well then what separates humans from animals? And animals, by the way, the, the distinction is that they have an astral body. Humans have a mineral body, an etheric body, an astral body, and then they also have the eye. They are conscious, they are aware, they're self-aware of this whole process I'm describing. So if you apply that that sort of framework the essence of that framework to farming, what do you get? Well, you get plants and minerals that are best able to be utilized and harmonize with animals and the, the highest beings, humans. So without pontificating more about the process, Jared, this is what he does. This is his entire life, you know, his life's work. And um, he does have farmers that help him with the, the actual farming methods, but it's his approach to producing products for your skin that are, I think, bar none, better than the rest. So some other avenues you can explore with within biodynamic farming are to just search for a Demeter-certified farm. It's likely going to be mostly organic, but this is one level up from that, where everything is planted with the seasons, with the flow of nature. And it's not a matter of getting this piece of land to grow what you want it to grow, only soybeans or whatever else. Everything generally grows together. And there's oftentimes livestock. We actually get our, our uh, organ meats from a farm that's about 20 miles east of Louisville, Kentucky, called Fox Hollow. It's second or third generation, I think. And um, the liver there is unlike anything else, and it's $4 for a pound. You dry it out, you encapsulate it, and bam, you've got yourself a lifetime supply of some of the most nutritious stuff on the planet. And it's so nutritious. It's so healthy because the cows are eating from from grass that is grown in soil that is tended to as much as anything else, right? So they don't use all the fertilizers. They don't use all the chemicals. And so what you put on your skin, what you put into your body, it all needs to reflect if you're going to be as healthy as you possibly can. It all needs to reflect how was the soil um, nourished while the plant was growing. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge pleasure to have Jared on my show. He's become a near and dear friend. Um, the episode's also sponsored by Needed, which makes some of the best perinatal nutrition products on the on the planet. So, please check out Needed at thisisneeded.com. There'll be a short ad in the middle. You get to learn a little bit more about their sleep formula. If you use code BELOVED, you save 20% on your purchase at thisisneeded.com. I am going to stop here with the intro. I think I've said enough. I think I'll let Jared pick it up. Uh, Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Jared Picard. Jared, hello, my dear friend. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. You've got a, uh, a repertoire of skills that I wish I had myself. And um, I think you and I complement one another in, in, in so many ways. I want to start off, you're a, you're a biodynamic skincare product. I don't even. I know you don't want to use that term, but y- you're producing skincare products that are unlike anything else. And the reason I know that is because at Paul Cech's birthday... Uh, your brother Jason introduced us and I was like well what about these products and you were like honestly there's no product like our product so much so that the business model may not even be sustainable because of how much attention is put into these products so I don't want to like necessarily beat around the bush with that but I do want to understand from a person with a farming mindset like thinking about the soil thinking about the plants and then the energy that goes into melding the serums and the other products in your in your product line i want to know first and foremost did you start as a farmer or did you start as somebody who um just really appreciated being in nature and you wanted to you know combine some of these these um the the essence of that into a skincare line or tell me about your origin story and how you actually even got into this
0: so I feel like you just touched on a lot more than I think you realized <laughs> I don't even know where that you said a hundred things i would I would theoretically respond to um, and I'll see maybe I'll address them in your in the response but starting with one a 1A, is that I'm entirely skillless I have almost no skills. I feel full of passion I have a lot of enthusiasm I've been really blessed to be able to sort of synthesize a vision together over the last 10 years with my family, um, with a piece of land, and with an incredible team, you know, like on the farm, and then I'll, I'll jump back over to the skincare side, but like on the farm in particular, at a certain point in the farm's history, we, for example, had a membership program where we had a dozen or 15 or so families from the community who were getting weekly deliveries of our biodynamic produce and then one product at that time, this is when we were sort of doing R and D you could say on these products that we're, you're now speaking of that we offer, but we were making them, you know, monthly and weekly. And then once a week they would get one product um, in addition to the produce, often a skincare product. But at that time we had this, like it was called a, a cottage food permit, this thing in California where you could, Make certain edible foods at a, at a home kitchen, and so we we're actually making them a variety of edible products, um, products for the home, like bath, hmm. spa, kitchen, yeah, just all sorts of stuff. And that's kind of what happens when you have a farm, you know, unless you got like a monoculture sort of industrial farm, right? That sounds yeah. like less fun. But yeah. when you have a a super biodiverse farm, there's just this. I mean, it's like walking through you know a national park in like you know wildflower season or something there's just you know everything is going on there's this insane abundance that is just literally you know hard to keep up with so much stuff comes off of a farm and so you very quickly i think unless I, i don't think i'm unique in this i think when you have when you live on that situation you very quickly start uh looking at it way more than just food
1: yeah yeah
0: first of all it's like your daughter's like main activity. She's just walking around the farm, discovering and playing all day long. And it's, it's like the main social point, like anyone who comes over wants to walk around the farm and look at the farm and it's providing, like I said, stuff for the home, medicine, food, preservations that are some kind of yeah. borderline between food and medicine. I mean, like, so our whole thing we don't really observe the lines between these departments, you know, like skincare, food, medicine, self-care, wellness. I think that the, the broadest, whatever the broadest word for that whole category is, like, I usually think of it as self-care. That is sort of what we're doing, because the separation of, like, you know, church and state, or, like, the separation of This abundance, or even nature itself, like you know, the wild abundance, the the farmed or wild abundance, to divide that into categories like estheticians or pharmacists or doctors or coaches or herbalists, sort of makes everybody a specialist in all these things, and then we've become that many steps, even if it's just one, removed from the actual Mm. magic of the abundance, the direct relationship, right. So we are all about this direct relationship, which is why I have a hard time when we've talked in the past, putting my finger on like, I don't really feel like I'm in the skincare business, you know, and I I don't even, you know, consider myself to be a farmer because like I said, we had uh, an incredible farm director that would be like, you know, I owned a restaurant. And um, I could make every meal as good as the executive chef kind of thing, so they're they're, they're definitely two separate roles, yeah, and yeah, so really, how did we get here, what our origin story is, and like what is the company even offering um is all kind of the same thing, yeah uh, because it's really just us, you know it's just sort of like, yes, we do want to make uh you know have it be financially successful, of course, but if money didn't matter, it would be what I would if money didn't exist, you know, it would be what I would be doing in a vacuum. You know, it's just yeah. what we love doing. And so how we got to this point, a relationship with land and in real intention around nature connection and sort of the creation and general support of regenerative or holistic or biodynamic agriculture, um basically, as, Just like what, from my present standpoint, I would call like just a regular old civilian. You know, I was just going around, going about my life. Um, I graduated from Oberlin College uh, in 2006. And my dad and brother had both had, you know, nice, successful careers in in Wall Street and uh, working at a hedge fund. And through the relationship that they had, I was able to secure an internship like right out of college. And I, on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And so wow. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life at that point. Oberlin College was a great experience, but I primarily played lacrosse while I was there. and I played lacrosse like,
1: too.
0: <laughs> socialized, uh, yeah, yeah. to put it lightly. And um, basically, I didn't have any real direction at all. And so I was living in New York City. I fell into an internship position that I was able to easily acquire through my family's relationship with past co-workers and stuff like that. Uh, That started, you know, that was what I did all of a sudden. I was wearing, um, like, custom suits and riding the subway, reading the Wall Street Journal, like, listening to nonsense financial news in the morning, (laughs) like, as I was brushing my teeth, like, (laughs) trying to memorize just totally nonsense, random bits of news, so that I could like just talk shop with like the people next to me in the morning while we're like getting ready in the morning. Hey, did you see this? Oh, did you see that? That was uh, you know, not really inspiring me very much. Um, everything was going fine professionally. I met Felisa, my now wife. You know, we started dating at that time. And so, you know, personally, professionally, everything was going fine, but I had no vision at all for what I l- even liked about life other than I had a good job and I had good friends, and but there was definitely not an incredible drive for me to like start some business or invent some amazing thing to help humanity. I didn't feel a real great purpose. In my personal life, I started seeing a Czech practitioner, which your listeners are probably well yeah. you know familiar yeah. with the term at this point. That introduced me to so many things that uh, I was up to that point unfamiliar with. Um, even like maybe I was, if I was familiar with them, they weren't named and they weren't taught to me in a way that I could uh, relate with at all. And the, one of them was food. I mean, up until that point in my life, I was primarily uh, struggling with food. Food was something that made me fat. That was about as much as I knew about food and that I I did like cooking it. I loved the taste of it and I loved like engorging myself on it. And uh, I covered the whole spectrum of food from like junk food to scratch food. I was completely indiscriminate. And I think only because I was playing lacrosse that whole time did I uh, not become like 350 pounds because I was a good 260 pounds or so as a varsity, like starting lacrosse goalie. And so the working out every single day, thankfully kept me from probably killing myself. But um, (laughs) otherwise off the field, I was acting as if I was trying to kill myself in all the sort of recreational addiction-based ways you could imagine. That sort of lifestyle continued into New York up until I started seeing this Czech practitioner. And basically, the idea of organic food was sort of revelatory to me. I didn't know there were different kinds of food. So that was sort of one rabbit hole that, you know, changed the rest of my life. And then movement, you know, just like up until that point, I I had only thought about fitness as it related to the fact that I was too heavy and needed to lose weight. Right. But it wasn't like about a sense of balance or wellness uh, uh, related to sleep or my organs or, you know, even my nutrition, like I already mentioned. So, this holistic idea around movement, nutrition, rest, recovery, you know, for check people, the four doctors. Yeah. And then ultimately, you get into the fourth doctor, Dr. Happy. Um, it's like the combination of mindfulness practice and not having a good answer for Dr. Happy led me to discovering what I was passionate about. And so, like, I'm just so thankful to, to, and that's the name of our company, by the way, Be Here Farm and Nature. And so, it's like these are that's what's important to us. It's like a mindfulness practice, you know, a call to presence slash applying the lens of mindfulness to life in general, you know, because that's sort of the four doctor model is that you create your values around the four doctors, and that's sort of how you walk down your dream line in Paul Check's life. That's how you day by day make decisions that are in line with your values so you can you know walk towards your goals yeah applying the lens of mindfulness to food all of a sudden made it very easy to understand yes there are different kinds of food and yes i would like to grow my body on what i've come to learn as organic food you know this is like 2007 maybe i'm i'm just discovering it right yeah, yeah. and so applying the the lens to to movement, I realized, oh, well, like, I don't need to run on the treadmill uh, for 45 minutes every day, like while watching sitcoms. Instead, I need to like stretch and do this breath work and bring my whole sort of, you know, mind-body system into balance and then start strength training and like doing all this stuff that I did with the Czech practitioner. So applying this new lens of mindfulness to these different areas of my life allowed us to discover what we like. Yeah, And then it became easy. You know what I mean? Once I became more in touch with the things that were turning me on or turning me off, well, then I started cooking all the time. The food really kind of caught my eye. And so we're now cooking at home. We're inviting friends over. I even started a blog at that time called I'm High on Cooking. (laughs) And um, the writing of that blog, as great as the title was, was like another thing that really focused my attention on what i didn't didn't like about what was going on in my life it gave me a way to just answer some of my own questions and that writing sort of led me to you know beyond the kitchen which never became more than a personal thing um, and into the farms themselves so when you get more into cooking you want the best ingredients and so when you're looking for the best organic ingredients and you live in New York city, all of a sudden now you're taking field trips out of the city. And yeah, yeah, so if we're going to visit farms and that experience of just getting out of the city um, and visiting farms and meeting people who are in agriculture and just in relationship with the land as their livelihood. And it oftentimes felt like a multi-generational situation. Every time I would see meet these people, some combination of that, just like really just captured me Mm. um and felt so much better than like for lack of a better word the grind that i was you know working on currently it just looked like a totally different quality of life and so this feeling is really just somewhere you know i don't even know what that there's probably like a great german word for like (laughs) <laughs> the, you know, the, the Gerhintermerganger. It's like this idea that sits in the back of the head somewhere.
1: Sorry to all the Germans out there. We Neither of us speak German, apparently.
0: <laughs> no, no. But other languages always have great words. And I'm trying to think of like this like looming idea that it was somewhere back there, but I hadn't realized it. And we don't yeah. have a word for that in English, but I thought maybe another language might.
1: Well, to, to your point, most languages outside of English have a, a very, uh, they're much more discerning in how they use language. You know, like even my wife being Mexican, there's Spanish words that have absolutely no translation without a whole conversation in English. You know, there's the one word that yeah. does that thing. So I know what you mean. I, I get that.
0: I was feeling clumsy about how I was describing it.
1: No, I know. I hear
0: but it. when it became sort of real for us was in 2008. So we're, my wife's working in like the executive building of Bloomingdale's in their marketing department. And I'm working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and we're living in Brooklyn and vacations for her were a little more flexible. But since we were going on vacation together for me, vacations were five days off at two different times a year. Like you choose your week. Everybody knows it months in advance and like, that's it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And when you work on the floor of the Stock Exchange, there's literally a bell, like a school bell. There's mm. a bell or a factory bell, you know, that rings at the beginning, at the end of the day. And so the expression is on the bell. On the bell, I would sp- like sprint out the door, probably have a little cannabis in my pocket or something for the run between the Stock Exchange and the taxi cab, where Belisa would be parked and waiting for me. We'd get in the taxi cab, fly somewhere on vacation. Have like the best time of our life for five or six days and come back to work like Monday, just totally fried and you yeah, know
1: yeah, yeah
0: unable to even keep my eyes open because we had just returned from you know let's say paris, yeah, and that was what life was I mean, it was just like fifty weeks of working on the floor of the New York stock Exchange and a trip to Paris and like a trip to Florida, you know and and then like an hour in the gym. And then an hour at the meditation teacher, which I would t- get on the subway and I'd be late for the appointment. So I'd be running in my suit, like through Columbus Circle to get to this lady's apartment from my mind where I would lie on the floor <laughs> for a meditation. Right. So like yeah. I was becoming passionate about these things, but I was not in a hospitable environment to really lean into them. And I kind of had this pipe dream that, you know, one day, like after this mysterious career on Wall Street, these things will become some sort of second career. Yeah. And then I also had this idea that, like, that's maybe impossible, you know, that might not ever happen. Yeah. Because, like, how, how what the, what's that going to look like? Mm. When Velisa and I went on vacation this one time out to Napa, where the farm is, the farm's actually in Sonoma County, which is Napa's neighbor, and it's right on the county line. So, our closest town is St. Helena. Which is a Napa County town. So we live right between both counties. And basically, again, seeing these people like who owned vineyards, whose children and grandparents were on the same property as them, and who were welcoming guests from around the world and seemed to be doing quite well for themselves. Like wine certainly is expensive. Like the winery certainly looked impressive. The whole thing seemed like it was financially, you know and like whether or not they were actually profitable or not is something now in retrospect i realized was probably naive of me to think because some of these are just really deep-pocketed sort of pleasure places but um seeing this returning back to new york everything was different you know after that trip to napa coming back to new york everything about new york absolutely depressed me um i felt like i had no access to the things that Nourished me and that I really wanted in my life. And the concept was that basically my father was looking to develop his own property out in Idaho with, believe it or not, a farm with solar power, with a water supply, with access to nature, with guest accommodations. And this was sort of a response to the fact that he lived in downtown Manhattan throughout 9 11 and then retired shortly after and was kind of like, wanted this safe place for his family to be able to go in the event of, you know, national kind of disasters, basically, probably would have been a cool place to hang out during COVID um, early COVID anyways. And so hearing him say that kind of intersecting with the fact that at this point, I'm now several years deep into visiting farms, researching regenerative agriculture thinking about the relationships between these farms and all the businesses in Brooklyn and just, you know, writing this blog, I'm High and Cooking, basically spending not not nine to five when I'm at the stock exchange, but five to nine. The whole rest of my life spending is totally pouring myself into these topics, thinking about some pipe dream 30 years from now. I hear my dad saying that he's looking to develop a property like this. And I'm thinking in my head, like, does this guy even know what I'm into? Like, <laughs> like how much I would want like have we not spoken in a while yeah, like yeah. this is all I think about and so I kind of just I hear his news that they're looking to develop a piece of land like this and without any prior like I said this was a pipe dream idea so I hadn't actually we we didn't have a real plan for this but on the spot it just falls out of my mouth the entire vision for the original be here project which has now taken quite a, a many pivots but the vision was that we would develop that property he's talking about for the public to come visit because he was only going to visit occasionally. Um, And so to have a farm, to have the grounds, to have the property, to have the trails, to have all these things would be, if not excessive, very expensive and laborious to maintain and would require somebody with a lot of expertise in, you know, a dozen different areas on the farm alone, let alone the property and the house and, you know, the managing of the staff and all that. And I'm just kind of dreaming into my dad's vision and I'm thinking about it. And I'm literally having a vision about it. I'm imagining it and how complex it looks and also how beautiful it looks. And I see this guy, the person that I'm talking about that would need to be managing it. And funny, because it's just an imagination, and I don't know how to ride horses, but it was the guy on a horse. So I'm imagining this guy on a horse, like on a hill, kind of overlooking the farm, and the horse kind of like clip clops around in my imagination, <laughs> and it's me on the horse. And like right there, it was just like the whole vision for everything just landed. And I I was literally just seeing the project and the property and everything that we've kind of not how it actually looks, but everything that has sort of been, you know, imagined over the last 10 years was sort of imagined in that car at that initial moment. Like I said, we've had tremendous changes over the years um, related to difficulties around developing the site, which is a very steep mountain and ultimately a traumatic wildfire, which sort of was the final nail in the coffin which um, said we're not going to be developing the hospitality project aspect of, of the business. But since the farm was sort of maybe considered the farm and the property itself was kind of the centerpiece of that project, you know, you can't just build a hotel and say the centerpiece of this hotel is this property and this farm and not do anything to the property and the farm. You know what I mean? Like you can't just turn on a farm yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. So the moment we got to this property which was in 2012 we started rehabilitating the space which was not really ready for prime time let's say it was a severely overgrown forest that had been logged you know once or twice over the last century the response to kind of logging is that there's a lot of sunlight that can hit the the forest floor and then all the things in the ground will grow and compete for that sunlight and so it becomes very dense and overgrown, which is high fire hazard conditions. And so our property was just as thick as it can get. You know, Thankfully, there were roads that could get you around the property, but you couldn't see off the road. There's just a wall of vegetation. And so we started opening up the forest and rehabilitating the forest. And there were landslides on some of these logging roads, which we would restore so that they would stop leaching soil into yeah. the creeks and making yeah. the lake brown every winter. And so just through the practical process of going after this vision in collaboration with my father's original vision, you know, just going after it with, without the real know-how, it was sort of was a very steep learning curve. Yeah. And so that is where my passions around these things came from was sort of, some of them were from practicality, you know what I mean? So when you all of a sudden are stewarding a large piece of, Mother Nature and this property is 300 acres, for example, and it's a steep forest with like landslides and forest fires and creeks and lakes. I mean, mountain lions, bears, coyotes. It's a crazy place. Yeah. And the idea that you have any ability to control it or anything all kind of goes out the window within season one. Like you'll be walking down the road. We were walking down the road one day on the property, and my wife just says like the understatement of the year. She goes, that that looks different. And I'm like, what are you? And I look about 40 yards ahead of me. And the entire road was missing. Like it had just the road had it fallen off the fallen mountain off. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of these sort of realities of engaging on this land-based project, developing the farm, it all sort of our passions for life, our desires, the aspects of this project, the things that this project required. They all just kept kind of evolving in this little, you know, universe that we were up there on the mountain and we're, we're, we're not currently there since the fires, but we spent about a decade quite removed from most of society in a way and really just focused on this project. Now that we're sort of in a different chapter, there's all these new benefits of like social life and Collaborations and interactions with people and new opportunities, new places, new things. But there was this sort of incredible. I mean, I'm only 37 or so. So, as a significant portion of my life was spent up on the mountain, quite removed, deep in nature, trying to understand our relationship to this place and the idea that we wanted to impose our ideas of developing a project on this place. The thing that did develop was the farm basically. Mm. Mm. And through the development of the farm and with the idea that we were going to have this small hotel where people would come and in their room would be things that we grew and made on the property and the spa would be things that were grown and made on the property. Obviously, all their meals and snacks and drinks and lattes and smoothies, everything featuring stuff in the property. That was kind of the vision. And so we started developing the farm because like I said, you can't just turn it on. From two thousand and twelve till you know presently, the farm is still within family. Ownership is still operational and it's still producing our ingredients for the product line. Over this whatever that is, eight or nine years, we have been developing it in in anticipation of this project opening as a hospitality project where people would actually come visit it. Yeah, so it wasn't set up as a production based, you know, financially sound, business model which you could picture more large-scale farm with straight rows and machines and you know and like a warehouse kind of processing facility and all that stuff in our case we developed a farm that was meant to like just be a bottom line expense on an otherwise profitable you know luxury hotel experience um one of the main sort of like a loss leader, as they say. One of the main attractions is the why people would come there and so totally worth it to create it because the hotel rooms is what was going to be, you know, supporting the business at the end of the day. Mm. And so without the hotel vision, you know, and 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 post wildfires, you know, the hotel vision was, was tabled, which is when I met you and when yeah. we had that conversation that you referenced in the beginning. That's sort of where you, we get into a pickle. Which is that if you told me to go start a skincare company, I would just rent a small <laughs> commercial kitchen space, and I would buy the best ingredients from the best sources, and I would make my products and I would sell them. You would never go buy three hundred acres <laughs> and perform like like large scale forest restoration <laughs> projects that would like earn you awards from like the local conservation group, and like you would never get out Sonoma County's largest like, privately held grading permit to restore a five-mile logging road network to make these products. You would never develop a biodynamic farm in the first place, let alone one that was meant for like nature connection and experience and beauty and wonder and walking. So we don't even have machines in the farm. Everything is designed so that it's entirely done by hand because you were supposed to be sleeping quietly like 50 yards away, you yeah. know? so everything is done by hand again that sort of started as a practicality of the project you know the project's vision was there are going to be people sleeping over there so we got to do our work by hand but at the end of the day things that are made by hand are much higher quality and they're also more pure the quality aspect can be due to like you know quality control like if we're harvesting flowers for a product and this bloom looks amazing and this loom looks kind of shite, you know, this one will just go to the ground. Yeah. But if you're, you know, machine clear cutting the whole field, you don't even have the ability to make that discernment, right? Wow. There's that, but then there's also like when you're making something by hand, you're you're putting your other than physical qualities into it, you know, your energetic qualities. Your grandmother's pie is the one that I always refer to. Like if if you if you had your grandma's pie and a mechanically made pie, right. same exact ingredients, you just take one bite, you're going to tell the difference between the two. When we make things by hand, it has that energetic quality of the maker. And also, when we make things by machine, that imprint is, whether, whether it's like the energetic quality of the maker, so I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying there's like a machine <laughs> energy all of a sudden imprinted into it, but there's opportunities for adulteration just based on how large machines and factories work whether it's just the greases and lubes that the machine operates by or whether it's like a co-packing place where multiple products are run through the same thing or just allergens in this, whatever it is. So making things by hand, it's another example of something that was kind of, we did it because of the project and now we're doing it because we, we believe it's best. And so it's just the whole journey has been our own personal journey. In trying to sort of carve out a life that really felt we could feel passionate about, yeah, and yeah. the company job is to basically share that with people. Us being the first people, you know, so like we we want we want these things to exist. Ultimately, is why we're creating them now. Uh, whereas the origin story was that we are creating them as, like, the amenity program for this hotel. Yeah. And, and, you know, through the process of experiencing these wildfires, which sort of, like, you know, has a very purif- purifying
1: oh, absolutely.
0: effect, right? So, it, you know, it, it, it burns everything down, and it's a very cleansing, purifying effect. All of that debris, everything that I was talking about, all the clogged upness, you know, it's all gone. It's yeah. just, you could see straight through the forest.
1: So a lot, of, a lot of people are curious, what does it mean to be a holistic OBGYN? Well, it means that I'm not using surgery, birth control pills, and pharmaceuticals for everything under the sun. Instead, we lay a healthy soil, and that includes coaching around diet, movement, hydration, breathing, mindset, EMF mitigation, and sleep. But that last one, sleep, is the one that's most often neglected as we care for ourselves. You can't fix a lack of sleep, no matter how organic Pasture raised, or whatever it is that you're eating. So, fortunately, there's a product on the market now from a company that I've now partnered with called Needed, which is called Sleep and Relaxation Support. It's science backed, it's safe and effective, delivers a, a blend of nutrients and botanicals that promotes optimal sleep, quality relaxation, and overall cognitive health, catered to mamas. So, it includes three forms of magnesium, includes L theanine, which promotes alpha wave activity. That's the type of brain waves. It helps reduce stress, anxiety, and promote creativity. It contains L-glycine, which is a clinically studied dose that has been shown to help those with sleep issues fall asleep faster, sleep more deeply, and feel less drowsy during the day, as well as uh, chamomile. Everybody knows chamomile. We add that in there, and that also promotes an overall state of relaxation. So Needed Sleep and Relaxation Support is a delicious powder. It's delicious. They sent me some. I tasted it. It's good. I approve. (laughs) Tastes like a slightly sweet chamomile tea. It can be mixed with hot or cold water. It's delicious in both ways, but it's really, really nice if you just heat it up a little bit, cozy up on the couch with your partner, watch some Netflix, and uh, and just let your body drift away into sleep space. So to get started, go to thisisneeded.com, use code BELOVED, and you'll save 20% off of Needed's sleep and relaxation support. And while you're there, check out all of their other products too. This company is doing great work. So again, that's thisisneeded.com. Use code BELOVED, B-E-L-O-V-E-D, and save 20% off of needed sleep and relaxation support. Let's get back to the show. Going all the way back to your your days in the New York Stock Exchange and your wife being at Bloomingdale's, and you had this very, very different life, and then you started seeing these things outside of the, the confines of what was perhaps what you thought was expected of you. And you mentioned, you know, Paul Check's model of the four doctors, the doctor happy. It's one of the things I, I emphasize to people all the time. Like you're doing all the diet, you're doing all the movement, and all the other stuff, but like, are you happy with what you're doing? Like, are you happy with how life is going? And, and I, it's always imp- impressive and really admirable to me when I hear stories like yours, because how many people out there have health concerns? And that could be not just your physical health, like high blood pressure. It could be body, spirit, soul concerns that are never going to be polished up, no matter how organic or whatever else. Like if you're not happy doing the thing you're doing, you're necessarily going down the wrong path. And it's not going to lead to this sort of wholeness that we're all, that we're all gravitating towards. So when I hear that you made that shift, it's admirable. And to boot, you also embarked on a project that yes, it did kind of, it was sort of like a hybrid between your old life and your new life because you needed to figure out a way to, to produce return on investment, right? We need to make sure we can sustain the project through the, magics, the magic of finance and economics in order to make the bigger vision come to life. I love what you said about creating this so that it exists. It's, it's not just a passion project in the sense that like, oh, I'm going to have a hobby of making wine or whatever else. Which I know a lot of people who have a lot of money do, and I I thank them for it because I love drinking wine. But mm. but you know I, what came to mind was you know the the Al- Alex and Allison Gray you know the psychedelic artists they created the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors in upstate New York, where you go there and you wonder like well what's the business model? Well there is no business model. The the reason we create this space, which is now probably valued with the amount of money that's in time that's being put in. Their project up there in upstate New York is invaluable at worst, and at best, perhaps it's, I say worst and best, not because of good and evil or or necessarily bad and good, but to the Greys, creating this was not motivated by what is in 40 years, what is our finances going to look like? Instead, we want this thing to exist because we want it to exist. There's an important part of the creative expression of who the Greys are to have manifested this beautiful thing, you know, that you can pay as the public to go and see and to have your, you can get married there or whatever else. But another little, a little anecdote that comes to mind is there was this video on Vimeo I saw a long time ago, and I think it was called like George's Boots. And it was this old guy, he's in his seventies, he makes boots by hand. He hand selects the leather, he hand cuts the leather, he puts every stitch in by hand with an awl and pokes a bunch of holes and uses the finest, Thread or whatever, you know, whatever. And he it takes him like 20 hours to make a pair of boots. And in the video, he says, I can't find an apprentice because nobody wants to spend 25 years learning how to make the only pair of boots that somebody will ever need. So, what's the purpose of making the boots if it's not, you know, if we're not going to make, be able to commercially produce these on a mass scale? And I bet George would resonate with what you said. Like, I want to make boots because these are the best boots period. But he can't find an apprentice to to help, to help keep that, that business going. And it's a real pool in our society nowadays where, you know, if you drive down the highway, Ben Stewart pointed this out to me when I I did an interview with him recently, He's like, you drive down the highway, he does a lot of road travel with his family. And he says, he's like, you see a McDonald's, Chipotle, Speedway, Costco, McDonald's, Chipotle, Speedway, Costco. So that if like extraterrestrials came down 400 years from now, and they were like, this is the best these guys could do as Costco. Like that's the best we've got to offer. But everybody's so consumed with this idea of progress and more mass production. Clear the fields. We can start fresh. We don't need to control nature. Let's just build this big ugly ass building here and put another one in a hundred miles, you know, and, and just repeat. It's like, it's this, it, it seems sustainable, but it ends up just driving our resources and our spirit into the ground. And so I I say all of this because I think it's really important and very beautiful for people to understand that there doesn't necessarily need to be a return on on investment for us to care for ourselves and care for the land. Like that is the investment. That is the return right there is getting back to who we are and what it is that we are bringing, you know, into reality as conscious human beings.
0: and you said a lot there, but that speaks to like why I was kind of time stamping my story earlier I was like an hour in the gym an hour at the meditation (laughs) it's like a checklist because that that was that those little hours were the only part that was like my life you know what I mean like and and how am I going to be myself if I'm spending 22 and a half hours a day not doing the things that you know make me feel amazing and so my whole aim was to make my livelihood be what made me feel amazing and what I wanted to to do and there is a real satisfaction that comes from doing something that you just know is you know the absolute best that you could do for it and for everything involved in that whole process you know whether it's the land right the the wildlife surrounding that land or the people who are working on the land or then like the end user whether you're eating something or putting it on your skin there's just this whole satisfaction from knowing how sort of toxic and adulterated and cheapened the entire marketplace is exactly yeah And then to just like sort of make something so pure and so sort of well attended to and so thoughtful, it just, that's what brings me satisfaction. And yet the fire purifying everything. It's like, so ultimately at the end of the day, what I was saying to you and what you alluded to in the beginning is that project wouldn't be, you know, without the hotel really possible for us to financially support it going forward. So long-term we are going to be looking to sell that property. We're currently in Austin, Texas, likely sort of settling here, actually, after the sale of of the California property, you know, would look to find more land to, to, to be on here long term. And wherever we settle, ultimately, we'll have a garden which will be producing these ingredients in a pretty similar fashion, I would imagine, to how we have been. And so the fire has allowed us to keep the dream moving forward. In a way that was completely unexpected, which is basically these products being the company as opposed to these products being something at a hotel, yeah, as soon as the fire hit, we started uh, we left the property, obviously. These products came with us, at least the ones that we were able to evacuate with. almost the majority of them actually were burnt down in the fire. Um, but some of the product line came with us. And as we traveled around over the last year and a half, we've been introducing, the really the one product and now the whole collection to uh people all over the country. And the energy of developing that hotel, climaxing at the fire, was this super, super hard grind. I mean, like I knew what our dream was and we were trying to get there. But in consensus reality, everything was very difficult and expensive and hard to achieve. And then after the fires, which sounds like the worst thing that possibly could have happened, and obviously it was terrible. The energy around the direction the company was moving in all of a sudden was like open doors everybody wanted to hear about the products everybody wanted to offer them and you know almost anybody we we connect with is excited to feature them in their spa or 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 their shop or whatever it is and so yeah it's just now the products do feel like our our livelihood is going to be based so the dream was to be in relationship with nature and the land and provide a certain level of self care to ourselves and have this way of life. And that dream remains unchanged. Consensus reality is sort of just spiraling and ricocheting off of this dream line, um, and changing constantly, and requiring us to sort of pivot and go with the flow, or to surrender and sort of shed aspects of it. And yet, it feels like it's just getting more towards the center of the dream. Yeah. And so I just never would have gotten here. Your question is like, how'd you get into skin skincare? That's the craziest story, right? Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't have just like woken up and chose to do this. I, and now I'm sitting in this room surrounded by like a hundred gallons or whatever of just these like pristine botanical oils and, you know, blended herbs and flowers and clay and all sorts of this whole treasure chest of things. and. Um, this is like a sacred space in the house and, um, how I got here is so non-linear that I don't even feel like I'm here. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm in the skincare industry. I, this is just sort of an offshoot or an expression of our, you know, living. Basically. Yeah.
1: yeah. It is an amazing story. I, I do feel very, uh, inspired and actually from the time I met you, I felt inspired. Because of your approach to the business of taking care of your family, I mean it's a uh, it's a unique endeavor, you know, and journey that you've been on. And I think that, as you were saying that, it was like, gosh, if you had gone to Shark Tank, like that show on TV, and you were like, I want to make this product, like you said, it would have fallen f- so flat. Like, well, how are you going to make this, and and what type of where how's my money going to be invested in this and that? Like, I don't know, but ten. 15 years later, here you are. And, and sometimes that's the best way for these types of things to emerge. I mean, you know, I, I relate so much in my own medical career where I was like, you know, hundred hour work weeks and you're never sleeping. And I had abs and shoulders and all that stuff. And I still was taking care of myself, but I was doing something that was making me so unhappy on a deeper level that, you know, if I would, if I were to go to somebody and say, Hey, listen, I want to be a holistic OBGYN. That's advocating for cannabis, psychedelics, meditation, chakra loading and balancing, hugging trees, (laughs) literally, I don't think anybody would have been like, that guy's going to be a good doctor. Like, let's give him some money to go to, you know, one of the most expensive medical schools in the country, you know, so... It doesn't need to, you know, anybody out there who's like, what does make me happy? It doesn't need to happen right now. It's just that you need to just continue to be honest with yourself as to where you're going and what really resonates. And when you take a lot of that, you trim the fat and then you move forward and then you do it again. And then a whole fire burns down your entire operation. You're like, well, that wasn't in the business plan. You know, um, it's just part of being alive. It's also, it's also kind of what makes it sexy and exciting is that who knows what's going to happen next. But you know, you and your wife obviously have a good relationship. You've got great connections through everybody, from Paul check to your brother. I obviously want to support you. You've got all these people in your circle, and and it was like you need this big catastrophe for the for the the stars to align in some way, where you're like, "Whoa, here is actually where I'm at, and I am happy with where I'm at." And and so I, I I honor that. I honor your journey. I I think that that's the these are the types of stories that need, people need to be need to be telling.
0: Yeah. Thanks, man. There's there's two things that really come to me. One is that at the original change, like when I'm like uh, discovering these things in 2007, I had physical signs in my body that something was wrong. I had a sort of mysterious back pain that just wouldn't go away no matter what, what happened. And then it ultimately went away from reading John Sarno's book, How to Heal Back Pain, My yeah. Body Connection. Yeah, Entirely mental, just gone, never came back. It's been like 15 years or whatever. So that, you know, back pain, that emotional pain was really present in my life and I wasn't trying to ignore it. I was just addressing it physically. So it didn't occur to me that there was another way to address my back pain. So that was sort of life changing.
1: Yeah, I do. I, I want to make sure we have time to talk about your product line anyways. You, you produce the highest quality face serum that I've ever tried and uh, you do it through the lens. You've already kind of gotten into this regenerative agriculture. I know that you use a lot of biodynamic principles. For anybody who has never heard of biodynamics, or maybe they're using the word wrong, what is biodynamics? I
0: mean, that's the whole episode. But the, uh, <laughs> of course
1: it is. <laughs> you know, because
0: like the original, you know, you, you kind of want to just answer with like what the Wikipedia definition of it is, but the truth of it is, is, is you know, it's a sort of agricultural philosophical body of wisdom that arose from a series of lectures in 1924 which was then sort of like digested by the community of people who heard those lectures because the speaker Rudolf Steiner died about 6 months after so it's not like he was around to sort of yeah. workshop it's so now his whole community of people is trying to unpack this rather mysterious body of wisdom around how to apply what you would call the anthroposophical principles to agriculture anthroposophy being Rudolf steiner's you know larger body of wisdom
1: yeah i think it's the wisdom of being human is how they qualify it yeah human
0: wisdom yeah like for direct translation i guess but you know that in itself i mean that's not something that's not how i arrived here not as an anthroposophical student of any kind um i arrived like on my health journey that i was describing my own life you know So I arrived at biodynamics because I had heard that it was like the best, quote unquote, in terms of, you know, better than organic or the most organic. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of confusion around these words. Um, So, yeah, I think it is valuable to just go through the entire tier, not just biodynamics of like, what are the different food options that are currently available to us? Because there's what you would call conventional agriculture is what they like to call it publicly but like it makes much more sense if you just call that chemical agriculture yeah so there's chemical agriculture and like that's the most widely available food and it's also the source of all of our processed foods for the most part and you could just kind of you know forget about that because who wants to know more about that that's like that system can you know should sort of hopefully be decreased and be replaced by a more regenerative system over time as opposed to a degenerative system so in terms of like regenerative sounding systems, you then get into organic which has an entire i would i would like to guess overwhelming percentage of it being industrial monoculture organic so like the same companies as the chemical ag the same mindset, the same labor conditions, the same general methodology across the board, except like a new class of chemicals that come from less terrible sources. But still, a monoculture environment, not really a healthy environment, because that's very unnatural. Mm -hmm. And the more sort of you stray from the, you know, what would be, for lack of a better word, natural, the more odd issues you're going to have and the more you're going to have to prop up that system fight pest issues and health issues and need, you know, whatever. So there's industrial organic and then there's kind of mom and pop organic and then there's people who practice these things and they don't get certified. So you don't even know what they are, but you got to talk to them at the farmer's market and just ask them questions. And then there's people who are calling themselves regenerative organic. This is a whole umbrella of farming styles there's permaculture korean natural farming just regenerative organic itself and biodynamic and probably you know french biointensive there's probably 10 others that are you know these little nuanced versions of what generally can be called regenerative farming regenerative farming which biodynamic is amongst people want to say kind of was a response to world war ii and like the sort of The insecticides that were developed for the gas chambers in World War II, the nitrogen, the synthetic nitrogen that was developed for World War One for you know, gun bullet, gunpowder, ammunition, stuff like that. These two world wars created new types of chemicals, which then immediately get pivoted into the agricultural system and kind of become chemical agriculture. And so, organics sort of is a response to World War Two. And yet, what's interesting is Rudolf Steiner gave his lectures in 1924. And of course, like pre-industrial farming systems exist in you know native cultures around the world. There's really so many different types of ways that food can possibly be produced. And then it's each individual farm has almost endless ways of like how to act within those definitions. And so it's kind of a farm by farm basis and why it's really important to go visit farms, meet the farmers markets. You know, find one that really resonates with you and can talk to you like really clear and it all makes good sense to you and feels in line with you and then hopefully they have like a membership program or a CSA or something where you can join them and get the majority of all of your food just flown through your house to be their you know their yeah. bounty yeah but biodynamic is specific in the sense that it comes out of this you know body of wisdom from Rudolf Steiner. so it has the entire anthroposophical worldview about, you know, different levels of consciousness and different non-physical, non-visible aspects of our living experience that they have words and you know methods for making much more tangible than you would imagine. And so a biodynamic farm is using basically homeopathic principles in terms of developing certain plant and mineral based medicines. That we use in very small amounts, mostly added to the compost pile. These are the biodynamic preparations, is what they're called. So these mm-hmm. are mostly added to the compost pile, and/or sprayed on the crops or sprayed on on the soil. And these are things that you are putting like a tablespoon of, and and then spraying like an acre of a farm yeah, with yeah. In, in a in rainwater in a big you know sprayer. So it's almost as if you're spraying nothing. And so what you're spraying is these non-physical, non-visible forces that live behind and within the veil of the physical entity that we see. This guy, Dennis Klosek, who's a great um, modern-day biodynamic writer and teacher.
1: Klosek's work is yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. wow, I need some time to digest that.
0: <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, years. I mean, I don't understand most of what he says. And then our farm director, Atan, was lucky enough to go study with him. um, Like, I think it was once a week or once a month for six months or something on a beautiful um, course around distillation and a couple other topics, things that, you know, are currently, you know, you see the results of in our product line. But basically, like, you can't go outside and, like, let's say Oak Tree will be the example. You can't go outside and, like, get, me the species oak tree, the species is an idea it's in biodynamic language you know a non-physical sort of archetypal entity that exists el- elsewhere, and so what we're seeing in the physical realm is not dead but it's essentially right. what like the outcome, like in, in close sex language you would call the corpse of the species or the energetic you know principle of that idea in the same way if i'm using the word correctly that like salt that would fall to the bottom of a solution would be the corpse of that solution Mm. so it's the thing that goes from you know invisible into the visible part so that's the corpse so this the tree that we're seeing is the visible part that's sort of fallen into matter But it's come through from this other place of, you know, this non-physical, energetic place that is perhaps more alive is the evolving, growing, ever-expanding part of of that being.
1: Yeah. Wow. (laughs)
0: Did that come out all right?
1: Yeah, man. I'm so glad I know you. I just love, I just love the, uh, I know that these are not your original ideas, but the fact that, that that resonates with you as a person who's producing something intentionally for other people, it just makes me want to support you and love you harder,
0: really. I mean, these are underlying, that's kind, but these are underlying principles of biodynamic agriculture, you know, like this is like, to get to a certain place in it, a practitioner, a farmer practitioner will, you know, develop some understanding of these concepts through their direct experience that is like if they're you know really truly deeply engaged in in, because obviously you could do the bare minimum of anything and so that's why you got to talk to the people because in the organic system too you know that's why there's industrial monoculture usda certified organic the same as the mom and pop super awesome highly regenerative usda same seal right so there's a huge difference between the bare minimum and what is an endless almost quality spectrum on the top side, how far you can go with it. And so in biodynamics, you know, you're required to utilize these preparations as a part of your practice and you're required to apply them a couple times throughout the year. You're not required to make them from scratch and, you know, you're not required to spray them continuously you know, super rhythmically, you know, um, throughout the entire calendar year, as opposed to just the once or twice, that would be like the bare minimum standard. And so you can always go above and beyond the bare minimum. And then, then there's the practical side of, you know, these things are very hard and time consuming to make, uh, to make these medicines. They take between six and 12 months, you know, each of these preparations to make. That's just in terms of like how much time they usually spend in the ground, wow. kind of fermenting and composting. That doesn't even count the fact that what went into it was usually a part of an animal, which had to live a life and then be harvested, and some plants, which had to be grown in healthy soil and then harvested. And so, it's much more than the six to twelve months. That's just like the baking time,
1: yeah. You know, but yeah. the
0: uh, the prep time is a year and a half or. Two or many before that, because it takes a long time to make healthy soil in the first place. So from a practical standpoint, there's people called prep makers who make these medicines and sell them, and sometimes you try to make them and it fails, you know, worms come in and eat it all or something like that, Mm. because it's just buried in the ground. And so then there's some combination of trying to learn how to make them yourself, because that's kind of the original vision. And then the practical side of sometimes you got to buy them from someone because yours failed or you just don't have them or a wildfire comes and burns them all down. And then, you know, it just depends on the farm and their business model and their time and, and their preferences because some people probably makes a ton of sense to just buy the preps and make them. Whereas in our case, Aton, our farm director, got to the point where, you know, he was having a hard time understanding how you could not make them You know, because it was just so critical to to his practice and his relationship with the space and the land. Yeah. And so I could see both sides, you know, now that we're moving into a phase where we're going to want to continue making these products to the absolute highest quality. We're going to want to develop a garden on our farm, on our on our future home here in Texas. But we're not going to want to have a super cost intensive farming enterprise. Um, in order to accomplish that because it's just not required like i said we wouldn't have started with that 300 acre property you know what i mean so to do it in the future i very well could see relying on there's there's like sort of large-scale well-known prep makers and then also there's there's great biodynamic farms around the country who do do this work and do make it and when you make it you just make so much of it i mean when you make you make you make enough for like hundreds of acres for many years. So anyone, because you're using just a tiny little teaspoon or a tablespoon. So anyone who makes it has an abundance, and you know there's there's great people making this medicine, which is a beautiful thing. And so people could incorporate this into their home gardens very easily. So yeah, you could hit me up um, on Instagram if you want to learn about that. I'll send you a link. But there's there's you know easy to find companies to buy this stuff and with instructions on how to apply it to your home garden yeah. or your home your home compost pile and you get a sense for the differences cuz i know when people walk around our farm their their eyes roll back in their head there is a difference you know they see the difference they experience the difference even if they are farmers or chefs or foodies and they're very familiar with the highest quality you know produce they walk around and their eyes roll back and they yeah. just can't believe it
1: yeah
0: and if you don't believe that the biodynamic aspect is what's contributing to that difference, then it's sorcery because we're not doing anything else.
1: Yeah, yeah, amazing, man. Well, we're at an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time. How can people find you? Find be here farm in nature. What's the next step for somebody that wants to learn more?
0: So Instagram, you know, even if I'm not being super active at the moment, it's very easy to to DM me and talk to me on Instagram and get a conversation going. Also, our email, pretty easy to remember, love at beherefarm.com. And the Instagram is at beherefarm. So at beherefarm or love at beherefarm.com. Yeah, we have a whole collection of products that we've now regrown and remade over the course of time since the wildfire. And people, if they're familiar with us at all, will be familiar with sort of our flagship product, which is the Summer Solstice Serum. And that's available on a variety of websites, but namely our buddy Scott's website, sunpotion.com. dot com. You could find it there. And then on um a handful of other great websites, which you could probably find in our Instagram like link and bio thing. Amazing. And uh that's it. Amazing. And and in special some some special care package that Dr. Nathan is offering <laughs> for for a top, top tier subscribers to his upcoming membership program. It, or it's a, yeah,
1: it's a, like a donation subscription program. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put all of that, those links in there. Um, it's, it's like, you can either make a, an extra large donation and get this as one part of your goodies, or you can go straight to sun and buy to your heart's content. It's, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah but then they get to the support your thing. Too.
1: <laughs> you pick your poison. Jared, thank you so much, my brother. I I really appreciate you taking some time for me. And um, I look forward to blowing some bags with you on FaceTime soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love you so much. I was so excited to talk and I'm so happy to have you in my life. I tell people about you all the time that they should check out the pod. And I feel like um, I would have rather heard you talk more. I felt like I just talked. I feel like I haven't been on a podcast in a while my (laughs) mouth was just on fire today couldn't
1: stop talking you're spitting out you're just dropping love left and right i love it that's that's exactly why i had you here so uh no harm no foul at all i love you man i'll see you soon okay you're the best i hope you enjoyed my conversation with jared it's over the past couple of years, you know, CoVID's been really, really hard, but I've had the great fortune to meet people like Jared who have enriched my life in more ways than one. and yes, he makes this great skincare product, but he's also a great human who's so deeply thoughtful about how we connect to one another and how we connect to nature and his product line really says it all. So go to be here farm in Nature. Um, We'll link everything related to the company and how you can get your hands on their products. Really, they they don't have an online store themselves. You have to go to sunpotion.com, which is owned by a mutual friend of ours, Scott Lindy. An amazing assortment of products at their website. You can go there, buy some of Jared's skin care products there. I, I suggest starting with the Summer Solstice Serum, which I keep saying and struggling with the number of susses, the alliteration in there. But it is definitely worth your time to just try this out you know if you don't have to believe me just try it for yourself and then try to go back to the stuff that you've been using and um, it just feels good your skin just is like singing praises when you slather this stuff on and of course our sponsor needed go to thisisneeded.com and try out some of the best perineal nutrition products on the market i hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jed. remember nothing shared on this podcast is should be construed as medical advice. We are providing information and entertainment. And, you know, you still got to listen to your doctors. If you if you need medical advice, go there. This is not where you come for that. But I do hope that these conversations are enriching your life. And if you have been enjoying the show, please take 15 seconds to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It doesn't take you long, and it does so much good for us in order to rise in the rankings and in order for um for more of these conversations to get into the ears of people who need it. So again, my name is Nathan Riley. You can find me at BelovedHolistics.com. Check out our sponsors, support our show. Find me on Instagram at Nathan Riley OBGYN. And I will talk to all of you lovely people very soon. Take care and I'll see you next time on the Holistic OBGYN podcast.